This church is a Presbyterian church, and part of what that means is that you usually hear like the lead pastor, which is me, preach. But one of the things that's beautiful about our what we would call our system of government is that we have a group of elders, and sometimes they get the chance to bring you God's word. We actually call it exhorting in our framework. We can't call it preaching for reasons that I'm actually not too sure about. But um, uh, Yinka Akinyemi is going to exhort us this, uh, this morning with the word. And one thing I can, I can tell you about Yinka is that uh, he has taught me more about God um, than I was anticipating when I first met you, uh, and in a different way. Like, I was told that Yinka was very wise. That's what I was told about Yinka. Um, but as I've gotten to know you, Yinka, over the past seven years, you, you strike me as, a, um, as somebody who beckons me into the Lord's presence. Almost, it's almost like an image, you know, like with your arms outstretched, bringing me along the path to God's presence. And I know that when you've done the call to worship here, that um, our people, God's people, uh, are drawn to you, drawn to your voice. Um, and I anticipate uh, God to move uh, in this room today um, as Yinka brings us the word. And so what I'm going to do, uh, Yinka is married to Sarah. He has four beautiful children. Um, I'm going to pray for Yinka and the Akinyemi family before he comes up to, to bring us the word. Ready? Let's pray. Father, we... Um, we thank you for uh, the, the collective community, but it's, it's such a wonderful thing to, to hear the particular way in which you speak through a particular person. And um, as we anticipate in, in the, the soul of this room and in the bodies of this room and in our minds to receive your word, um, I do ask that you would powerfully be with Yinka and with us, um, and that you would teach us different hues of the gospel, different uh, facets of the beauty of the diamond of the face of Jesus Christ, and um, we, I trust that you will, and, and so would you do that now. We are ready for you, and so come, in Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Matt. Matt, um, when he told me to speak, um, said what he just told you guys. He said, Yinka, you know, you can't preach, um, but you can exhort. And, and I, I did not tell Matt this. This is the first time Matt is hearing this. I, I have no idea what exhortation even means. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I didn't look it up. Because if this goes horribly wrong, I want to be able to tell Matt, Matt, this is your fault. You told me to exhort, and you didn't tell me what exhortation is. Um, so, well, this morning we're going to be in the book of Genesis. I um, was talking to Josh Honeywell before church, and Josh said, are we in Ecclesiastes? I'm like, no, we're not in Ecclesiastes. I'm going to go to Genesis. He said, I just love Ecclesiastes. I'm like, Josh, you, you would. <laughs> Ecclesiastes is, is for Josh. If you know Josh Honeywell, you're like, that makes sense. I'm not doing Ecclesiastes. We're going to be in Genesis, and um, I'm going to start by reading. We're doing Genesis 1, 26 and 27. I'm going to read just the first um, part of verse 26 and 27. I'm going to do it in two different translations, so bear with me. 
Genesis 1:26. Here's the word of the Lord. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The message translation puts it this way. Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. And so we know how the story goes. God creates us in his image, God-like, and, and then puts us in the garden, tells us to take care of the earth, um, tells us that we can eat whatever we want, but, but there's this tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil and says, don't eat from the fruit of this tree because if you do, you will surely die. And then we're introduced to the serpent. The serpent says, did God really tell you not to eat from this tree? Because he knows that if you do, you will be like God. And that's the, that's the title I'm giving this sermon, to be like God. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into it. God, we do want to be like you. We're created to be like you. You are good. And as we unpack your word, um, give us eyes to see you in it. Give us ears to hear you. In Christ's name, we pray. So to be like God, it's the promise that the serpent makes if we will yield to this temptation of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is also what God said he did when he created us, that we would be like him. And this is, this is John talks about this in his gospel but we are, we are created like God. So if you are slouching in your chair, I want you to just sit up a little straighter, shoulders back, maybe chin up. Yeah, sit up a little straighter. T- tell your neighbor, I am like God. Go, no, 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 that's not good enough. Let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I am like God. Thank you. Turn to another neighbor and say, I am God-like. You, you, guys, it's in the sky. We just read it. It's in the scriptures. We are created to be like God. This is why John, in his gospel, John says that if anyone says that they love God, um, who they cannot see, but hate their brother and their sister, who they can see, John says that that person is lying. By this, John means that, look, if you say you love God, you can't see him, but your brothers and your sisters who are made like him, in his image, God-like, you hate, John says that that, those things don't add up, right? So how do we deal with this scripture? Because God says, you are made like him. The devil says, you will be like him if you eat of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. What do we do with this? I think first we must remember that like every temptation after it, this is the first temptation, like every temptation after it, the devil is really just distorting something good that God has already promised or done. There is no originality to temptation. There is no originality to sin. It's simply a distortion of the good. So, so the devil is not an originator. He's a distorter. But what is he distorting here? Because the, 
the promise to be like God, the temptation, if you will, to be like God, it's not really a temptation. We're already created like God. So it's not bad to be like God. That's how we are created. So, so what is the temptation here? Well, the temptation here is to be like God without God. If we yield to eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we now know what is good and evil. We don't need God. Right? And so we say to God, look, we, we will be kings and queens of our own kingdoms. We don't, we don't need you. We take the earth, we divide the earth up into different kingdoms, right? Today we don't use the word kingdom very much, we use countries, but it's the same concept, the same principle. We have these kingdoms, right? We still use, for example, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We use that word, the United Kingdom. Um, Matt said in our church we have about seven different kingdoms or countries represented, the kingdom of, I'm not going to list them all, but the kingdom of Indonesia, the kingdom of India, the kingdom of Brazil, um, the kingdom of Nigeria, I hear there are nice people from that kingdom, um, the kingdom of the United States of America, um, and this is a good time to address actually you people from Texas, that you think it's your own kingdom. Texas is not its own kingdom. You may want it to be its, in, its own kingdom. We may want you to be your own kingdom, but you're not. Um, Paul, in one, of his gospel, in one of his letters, tells us that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. That our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Paul knows that we have earthly citizenships, his point is that our primary citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Paul does not say that we will be citizens in the kingdom of God. He says that we are. Now, where we are citizens of the kingdom of God now, and there are serious implications to being a citizen of a kingdom, okay? So, I have the privilege of being a citizen of two earthly kingdoms. I am a citizen of the kingdom of Nigeria, and I am a citizen of the kingdom of the United States of America. And there are certain rights, there are certain obligations, there are certain freedoms, expectations that I have as being a citizen of the kingdom of Nigeria that I do not have as being a citizen of the kingdom of the United States of America, and vice versa. So, for example, as a citizen of the kingdom of Nigeria, um, my wife's not here today, so I can tell you guys this. I can marry more than one spouse, okay? Polygamy is acceptable. I was going to say, can I get an amen, but it's not the appropriate time to get an amen. As a citizen of the kingdom of America, I do not have that right or that freedom, Okay? Different citizenships, different rights and freedoms. As a citizen of the freedom of America, I have the freedom of speech. Um, as a citizen of the, of the kingdom of Nigeria, that, that freedom is much more limited in different parts of the country. Religious speech is, is more limited. And so these are two different kingdoms, and, and you can put in whatever kingdom you want. They're two earthly kingdoms, and they're different in the rights, the obligations, the freedoms, I have. Imagine how much more so as a citizen of the kingdom from above. 
there's rights, there's freedoms, there's obligations, there's expectations that we have being that our citizenship from above is our primary citizenship. And so I just talked about um, a, a freedom I have in Nigeria to have more than one spouse. The kingdom of God says no as a citizen. I, I do not get that freedom as a citizen of the kingdom of God. God says no. Okay. Freedom of speech. I love freedom of speech. I am for freedom of speech. I am pro-freedom of speech. But the kingdom of God says, no, we're not going to use our speech however we want. We do not have freedom of speech as citizens of the kingdom of God. God says you cannot call your, your brother or your sister a fool. You cannot use your words to tear people down. We must use our words to build people up. Um, at Life Group last week, by the way, if you're not part of a life group, I would strongly encourage you to be part of a life group. It's an important way that we do life at the church. But last week at Life Group, we were talking about revenge. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we, we do not have the right to revenge. We leave revenge to God. That's what we do. The kingdoms of this world say, look, um, if, if one kingdom attacks another kingdom, you can respond proportionally. You might have heard the term proportional response. So if they kill 1,000 of your people, you can kill 1,000 of their people. Don't kill 10,000 of their people. That's not proportional. Right? Culturally, we do the same thing. We say, you know, if somebody pokes you in the eye, you can poke them in the eye, but don't poke them in two eyes. That's not proportional. You know, an eye for, it's an eye for an eye. Jesus, our king, says, no, 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 that's not how we're going to do it. It's not an eye for an eye. There's no proportional response. It is you leave revenge to God, and that's how we're going to leave. So we have our citizenship in the kingdom of God. And when we pray, when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are to participate in being an answer to that prayer by living as citizens of the kingdom of God now. We don't, we don't wait and say, well, we'll be citizens. No, no, no. We're citizens now. And so we live with the freedoms and the rights and the obligations that we have as our citizenship in heaven now. Okay. Well, you might say, all right, Yinka, I get it. Um, you know, there's this temptation to be um, like God without God and to be kings of our own kingdom. But like, I'm, I'm at church on a Sunday morning, so I don't know that that really resonates with me to be like God or without God. I'm here to worship, right? And I would say, true, that's a fair point. Think about that, think about that point, let it marinate a little bit, because I wanna to touch on a, another temptation that our scriptures point to, that I think is particularly pertinent to us in church. Us people of God, um, there's another temptation I wanna tackle. And that is that, that God says he, makes, he made us in his image after his likeness. Yet there is this, there's this temptation for us to make God in, in the way we like him to be, in the way we imagine him to be, in the way we want him to be. So you remember how the book of John starts? John starts... Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
he was in the beginning with God, talking about Jesus. Later in the chapter, um, John says that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. His people did not receive him. And so, church, we must remember that it is in our history to not always receive God when he comes. We cannot say, oh, we're the people of God. Surely when he shows up, we will know. We'll receive. No, 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 that's not, that's not how the scriptures point to. There's times when God shows up and we don't receive him. And so we have to be careful. And so, so what does this mean? How do, we, how do we receive God when he comes? How do, we think, how do we think about God? What is God really like so we don't try to create him in our image after our own likeness? That's what I want to talk about for a little bit. What is God like? How do we resist the temptation of making God in our image according to our likeness? Um, I don't know all the ways that we can say God is like. I'm not going to attempt to give you an exhaustive list of what God is like. Um, but I want to do this. I want to I talk about it from the perspective of if you go to a doctor and you, you ask a doctor, what must I do to be healthy? Different doctors will tell you different things. But every doctor will probably say, you need to eat healthy and exercise. Like those are two things. If you, if you have a doctor that you're not sure about, give them the test. And if they don't say eat healthy and exercise, you can leave and you tell them, my elder said I should leave. You're not, you're not a good doctor. So this is, this is my eat healthy and exercise response to what is God like. Not an exhaustive list, but I think important things, okay? What is God like? First, God is like Jesus. Jesus is the full revelation of what God is like. Jesus is the perfect revelation of what God is like. There are other revelations, lesser revelations of God. There's no equal revelation of God than Jesus. So we can learn about God through nature. Nature reveals God to us in other ways. The scriptures talk about nature revealing God to us. But nature is not a perfect revelation of God. Jesus is a perfect revelation of God. The prophets reveal God to us. The prophets are helpful in helping us learn about what God is like. But the prophets are not a perfect revelation of God. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Remember when God is speaking with his disciples, and Philip asks the question, um, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus says, I've been with you guys this long, and, and, and you, you're still saying, show us the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I, we're one. There's no daylight between the Father and I. We're one. God is like Jesus. And so if you're ever, if you're ever reading the scriptures and, and maybe someone in the scriptures says something and, and Jesus says something else and there's a tension and you don't understand the scriptures because the scriptures can be difficult to understand, just lean towards Jesus. If you're not sure, just say, I'm not, I'm not sure here, but I'm going to lean towards Jesus because Jesus is the full revelation of what God is like. For example... Um, you guys remember the prophet Elijah? He calls down fire um, to 
consume his enemies. A nice way of saying kill his enemies. Right? He calls down fire on his enemies and consumes them. And I don't fully get that because Jesus goes to, to a town to, to visit a town and the town does not receive him. So James and John say, should we call down fire on this place like Elijah did? Should we call down fire? And Jesus says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You do not know what spirit you're of. Jesus tells James and John, that's not what we're going to do. And I don't, I don't fully get it. But when we don't fully understand things, you cannot go wrong by leaning towards Jesus. So if I, if I feel like calling down fire on my enemies, I'm not sure if you guys ever feel like that. It's election season, right, in America. It's always election season in America. But Republicans amongst us, if you feel like calling down fire on your Democrat brothers and sisters, what should we do? We just lean. We don't, we don't lean towards Elijah in that. We lean towards Jesus. Democrats, if you want to call down fire, we lean towards Jesus, right? Independents, if you want to call down fire on everyone, <laughs> we lean towards Jesus because Jesus is the full revelation of what God is like. There's no greater revelation of God than Jesus, okay? So God is like, God is like Jesus. God is like Jesus, that is, that is one way to think, what is God like? How do I resist the temptation of making God in my own image after my own likeness? Well, we think God is like Jesus, right? Um, second way to think about God, what is God like? Well, God is love. God, God is love. Yeah, God gets angry, but God is not anger. Um, God gets sad, but God is not sorrow. God is love. And he loves you. His attitude towards you is love. And he has promised that, that nothing will separate you from the love that God has for you, nothing. Not life, not death, not poverty, not wealth, not sickness, none of that is gonna separate you, not even sin. Did you know that your sin does not separate you from God's love? We are, we are sinful people, we're sinners. Let he that is without sin throw the first stone. Yet God is with us, he's taking care of sin on the cross. God does not separate himself from us. His love is not separated from us because of our sin. And what God says is that if we only respond to his love, with our love and trust, that everything is going to work together for our good. Life's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. But he loves. He is love and he loves us. And if we will respond to his love, that all things will work together for our good. So, um, follow me on this illustration real quick. Imagine, imagine that you are, your life is over and you are with God. You're in your father's house. Um, you're in God's house. And, and you and God are taking a walk together, perhaps. You know, you're, you're walking in the king's courts. 
And I'm not sure how many of you know what, what tapestries are. A tapestry is this. They are, <clears throat> they are typically they are, they're big um, woven rugs. They're you know, intricately woven, beautiful, illustrate, illustrative rugs. That they're, they're creative pieces of art. They're not rugs you step on. They're rugs that are hung. And historically, they'll be hung in, um, in, in the courts of kings. And so you're walking with God, and he's talking. There are tapestries all over the place. Maybe you don't even recognize the tapestries because God is saying something important to you. And you're walking, and, and God stops you, and he, maybe he does one of these, like, look at this. And you, you look at this tapestry, and it's a tapestry of your life. It's a tapestry of your life, and you're like, you're like, God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. This is, it's gorgeous. I've never seen anything like this. You have done something amazing. Now, the, the back side of tapestries are, they look like a mess. There's, there's loose threads hanging over, all over the place. It's, it's messy. You can't always tell what, a, what the front side will look like by looking at the back side. It's, it's hard to understand. Right? We're on the back side of the tapestry, um, and it's hard to understand what's going on. But on the front side, it's this masterpiece, and, and you're looking at it. And you're not saying anything, and maybe God breaks the silence, and he says, remember, remember this particular point of your life. He's pointing to the tapestry, and he says, remember this particular time. This was a very difficult time for you. Remember that? What if I... What if, I, what if I pull this part out of the tapestry? What if I get rid of this portion of the tapestry? We would say, no, 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 no. You may almost hit God's hand away. Don't do that. Get out of here. No, no. This, this is the best. I've never seen anything this beautiful. This is glorious, we would say. That's the promise God makes. That he's going to call that. He loves you, and he's going to cause everything to work together for your good if you would only respond to his love and trust. He's going to make your life a, a tapestry of grace, of mercy, and of love. That's what he's going to do. So we must, we must live as, as citizens of a different kingdom, we do, not get, um, we do not get rights from our primary citizenship that overweighs our citizenship in the kingdom of, of God, right? We talked about, about different freedoms. We've talked about revenge and how those rights don't always work. There's a, there's a quote um, from a lyric from Coldplay that goes like this. It says, um, no, I don't want a battle from beginning to end. No, I don't want a cycle of recycled revenge. No, I don't want to follow death and all of his friends. And God says, you know, in his kingdom, revenge is following death and all of his friends, and there's no room for death in his kingdom. So what is God really like? What is God like? God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. Jesus is the 
is the perfect revelation of what God is like and God is love. I want to end by saying this. Um, I've tried to give some advice on, and some thoughts and, and how to not make God in your own image um, after your own likeness, how, how to not be like God without God. And I hope it's helpful, but I needed to fill in. I, I'm supposed to preach for 30 minutes, so I need to fill some time. So I gave you some advice. Here's the deal. You don't really need, need advice. Advice, knowledge is not what you need more of. The knowledge got us in this mess anyways. What you guys really need, what I need, what we need, we need a savior is what we need. We need somebody to save us. We need somebody to save us from the temptation of being like God without God, from the temptation of creating God in our own image. That's really what we need. We need a savior. And our scriptures tell us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like everyone. There is no one who calls upon the name of the Lord that will not be saved. It is impossible to call upon the name of the Lord and not be saved. It's just not possible. And so, if you're like... I need help, and I need to be saved from the temptation to be like God without God. God says, you know what? You call upon my name, I'll save you. If you're like, I need, I need help, I need saving from creating God in my own image, according to my own likeness. God says, you know what? You call upon my name, I, I got you, I'll save you. If you're like... You know, I, I need saving from myself. Forget the devil. I feel like I am my own worst enemy. I need, I need saving from myself. God says, you know what? You call upon my name. I'll save you from yourself. I got you. And so I, wanna, I want us to do that. I, wanna, I want us to call on, on the name of the Lord together because we, we all need to be saved from something. Right? So I'm going to close us in prayer. And as Matt often says, when we pray, when I pray, don't just shut off. I want you to call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to save you from something. If you don't know how to pray, just, just say, Lord, I call upon your name. Save me from this. Okay? I'm going to pray, and then we'll, um, we'll have a time of confession. God, thank you for making us in your image, to be like you, in your likeness. But we have sinned, we've fallen short. We have problems. We are in need of a savior, somebody to save us from all sorts. And Lord, we ask that you will save us today. It is a prayer that we pray today. We will pray it again tomorrow by your spirit that you should save us from all sorts. Save us from ourselves. Save us from a desire to be like God without God. Save us from creating 
you in our own image and in our own likeness and then not receiving you when you show up. Save us from our enemies. Save us from our anger. Save us from our selfishness, our self-centeredness, our pride, our ego. Save us from our anxieties. Save us from sickness and death. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.